you're just joining us, a hearty warm welcome to the Writer's Corner live show. I'm your host, Bridgette Limbanda from Cape Town in South Africa. And in today's show, we're going to be talking to New York Times bestselling author Ken Abraham. And we're going to find out just how he got to collaborate with some of the most famous people in the world, such as astronaut Buzz Aldrin and more. But before we do so, let me say hello to my amazing co-host and friend, Mary Elizabeth Jackson. She's a special needs and disabilities advocate and an award-winning author of the Poolicious children's book series. She lives in Nashville in the USA, so do let us know in the comments where in the world you are joining us from. Mary, hello. Hi, how are you? I'm very well, I'm very well and very excited about our special guest for today. Yes, I am too, I, uh, because he's living the life that a lot of uh, writers want to live. So we want to hear his secrets and his journey and story and share him with other people. So, you know, there may be people who are looking for a good book right now to read and they haven't really found what they're looking for. And, and maybe they haven't seen, I don't know how they could not have seen his books, but you know, <laughs> there's that possibility that somebody hasn't and they're looking for new books to read and um, a new um, author to become a big fan of. So we're hoping that that's what we can help with today and introducing him to everyone and, uh, you know, enjoying the day to day. And um, we're excited to be here, aren't we? Absolutely. So a little bit more about Ken. He is a New York Times bestselling author known around the world for his collaborations with popular celebrities and fascinating high profile public figures. 15 collaboration books have appeared in the New York Times bestseller lists and three of Ken's own work has reached number one position. His most recent New York Times bestsellers include No Dream is Too High, with Apollo, the second astronaut, Buzz Aldrin. And his other book, More Than Rivals, is a gripping story of racial conflict and reconciliation based on actual events. And here's a fun fact that you may not know. He has got, I mean, just wrap your head around this one. He's got <laughs> more than 12 million books in print. Can you wow. even imagine? I mean, that is Amazing. We need a horn. We need a horn. I know, right? I know. Yeah, awesome. I know. I know. Okay, so let's not waste any time and let's get Ken onto the show, shall we? Ken, a hearty warm welcome to the show. We are so, 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 so excited to have you as our special guest for today. Well, thank you. And I think you ladies have the best bumper music of any interview I've ever done. <laughs> <laughs> you, get, you get up and moving on your show. Yeah, you can't just sit there. Yeah. No, no, no. It makes you want to get up and jam. And then you go, oh, I yeah. got to sit down. I got to yeah, sit down gotta, and have an interview. I dance. No, no. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank, you. thank you for uh, making me so welcome. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. We're so glad you're here. We're excited. Okay, let's dive right in. We got lots okay. of questions and want to know everything. Oh, wow. Okay. 
<laughs> I know, right? So I'm going to jump right in. Why do you love writing so much? Was it something that came naturally to you or did it happen over time? What was your um, your your love love journey with 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 being an author? Sure. Uh, well, you know, I grew up in Western Pennsylvania and uh, in coal mining country, and you don't have a lot of writers that come out of that part of the uh, of the world. And my dad owned the biggest bar in the country, not a fancy <laughs> lounge or anything like that. You know, a bar, a coal miners and factory worker bar, a pub. Wow. And pub you, know, you might think of it in those terms. And uh, and the customer, I would get up with my dad at five o'clock in the morning to go to work and clean the bar before our customers came in at seven o'clock in the morning and they were coming in from the coal mines or going out to the coal mines and they would stop at my dad's bar on the way but in you know western pennsylvania it was dark at, at seven o'clock in the morning when we opened and so my mom didn't want me to come home right away she she would stay she say stay there to bar with your dad so i would stay behind the bar and watch these characters that came into my dad's my dad's uh, business there and they were characters and i can still remember some of their names mike keppins and patsy porto and bc bianco and some of those guys you know and uh, they were just they were all ethnic characters and so I would start writing little stories about these characters when when I was um, probably seven eight years of age mm -hmm. and I would write about the little league games in our town that sort of thing I always wanted to be a writer and uh, nobody told me you can actually make a living doing this kind of thing. I just wanted to write. And, and so I remember the very first contract that I did with a major publisher in New York. And they actually said they were going to pay me to write. I said, you're going to pay me to write? I thought I'd pay you. Yeah. So, so, yeah, it's been with me a long time. And, uh, and I'm still enjoying it to this day. So have you written a book? I, I, I know this is not on our list of questions, but have you written a book about that experience with those characters? Because what a cool book that would be. I, I can just see you. I can just see it, uh, you know, the, the, the camera moving in, you're back there hiding, watching everybody and this whole cast of characters coming in. I haven't written that book yet, Mary Elizabeth. I'm going to, though. I, I have it in my mind, and I'm kind of putting it together one of these days. And and to go back into that culture, because it was a different culture. I mean, the, mm -hmm. the, the mine workers were, you know, intense kind of guys. You, you've seen stories and movies about uh, that that culture. It was pretty intense. Uh, but, boy, it was, a great, it was a great time. to Our little town, we had 2,000 people in our town. And uh, remember, my dad owned the biggest bar in our town. All right. We had nine churches and eight bars. So in our town. Wow. <laughs> so, it, you know, <laughs> exactly. Wow. You to do a so, shot and go ask God for forgiveness, right? That was it. Well, in our town, you were, you were either a drunk or a saint, one of the two. Oh. Right? And, 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 and sometimes they kind of got mixed together uh, a little bit. There, but, there's uh, the title for your book. <laughs> maybe so. I'm, I'm going to go back there and write that book one of these days. You know? Yes, yeah. absolutely. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. I love it. I can't wait to read that. Um, okay, so how did you get to work with so many famous people? And what is your advice for authors who might want to do the same thing? You know, it came out of a crisis in my own writing career. I'd written nine books of my own um, under the name of Ken Abraham, of course, and, and they were self-help books. I started out writing for kids and then kind of graduated writing self-help books for adults and that sort of thing. I got, got to a place in my career where I had two young daughters and had to you know, build, build a new house and a new car and all that sort of thing. And I just wasn't making a living. I mean, back in those days, the books were, were selling for like $5.95. And my mm -hmm. royalty rate 
was about 10% of that. You know, you're, 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 you got to sell a lot of books to make a house payment at that rate. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I came to the place in about uh, in my career where I said, God, if, if, if there's not more than this for me, then I need to go back to, I need to go back to Pennsylvania and, uh, and get a, get a real job. I mean, some of my friends back in Pennsylvania are still waiting for me to get a real job, as a matter of fact. Absolutely. But I, I went Absolutely. to a book. I went to a book convention, and uh, in the in the book convention, going down the aisles, literally people were throwing book projects at me. Uh, I came back from that book convention with nine book projects, nine nine wow. book contracts, real contracts. And wow. uh, now that's the good news. The bad news is, is I came back with nine deadlines. <laughs> and publishers don't call publishers don't call them deadlines without a good reason, right? right. Uh, but one of those books was a book with Gary Carter, a professional athlete uh, who played for the baseball team, the New York Mets. Uh, they had won the World Series in 1988. Incredible man. And uh, a, a publisher was literally walking down the hallway at this book convention, and he stopped and turned around and he said, "Ken, Ken," he said, "You are just the person to write this book." And he mm -hmm. teamed me up with Gary Carter. And that was the first time I had done a high profile celebrity type uh, autobiography. And uh, I, I discovered that I enjoyed, write, I enjoyed writing other people's stories even more than my own material. And so I started, and since that time, I, I don't know how many I've done. I've done over about a hundred books, and most of those have been collaborations with uh, with other people. And I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the collaborative process, and uh, and to work with people like Buzz Aldrin or Chuck Norris. Chuck was great to work with. Um, Dr. Neil Clark Warren, who founded the, the company e, eHarmony.com, he was a great, brilliant man. Uh, but Buzz Aldrin, it's, it's important. To, Probably to mention Buzz today because you know yesterday was the anniversary of the of the walking on the moon, uh, the fifty first mm -hmm. anniversary of walking wow. on the moon, and uh, and Buzz of course lived for years with the reputation that he was the second man on the moon. Neil Armstrong of course was the first man on the moon uh, stepped out of the lunar module and uh, said you know one small step for man, you know one giant leap for mankind. Buzz gets out and he looks around. And he says, "Magnificent." <laughs> wait, 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 wait. He says, magnificent, magnificent desolation. <laughs> so, that, <laughs> so that was the title for our first book I did with Buzz Aldrin. I did his autobiography, Magnificent Desolation. And then we, wow. we did this little book here. I don't know if you can see it. It's, uh, it's called uh, No Dream is Too High. And this was a this was actually much more fun because what we did is we we took thirteen life lessons from the guy who walked on the moon and uh, and this book came out just a while ago and but but working with Buzz was a bit of a challenge because he is so brilliant I mean he is so smart he is probably one of the most brilliant people I've ever met if he were in our conversation here now within the first few minutes he'd be he'd be challenging us to go to Mars and he could tell <laughs> us how to get there <laughs> and how to get home. So, uh, so that's kind of how I started that, that and, sort of thing. And and that's and that's no joke. He actually yeah. can do that. Oh yes, he can. Yeah, yeah, Buzz can. He's he is so brilliant. He'll sit around and noodle on on napkins in a restaurant and you look at those noodles and and, and they're they're like spaceships and, and rockets and Buzz if I, you probably may not know this but he is he was actually the guy that said, "You know what? We don't want to land one rocket on the moon. We want to land on the moon with a a, a a module and then have another spacecraft going around the moon and then rendezvous." He had done his his uh, doctoral thesis at MIT University uh, on the subject of rendezvousing objects in space. Nobody had ever mm. done that before. Wow. Nobody had ever done that before. Wow. Here, talk about little tidbits and things. Uh, Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong landed on the moon 
with less computer power than we used to have in our little flip phones, our cell phones, less wow. computer power than that. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating wow. story. And they almost, they, all, they almost crashed. You know that yeah, they yeah. almost crashed. They, they ran out of fuel. They had about 15 right. seconds worth of fuel before they were going to crash. And they finally brought the uh, lunar module down on, on the lunar surface there. So it's a fascinating talk, talk story. Talk about the nick of time, eh? Yes, indeed. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, uh, yeah. So my. he was fun. He was fun to work with. Uh, just the the quintessential gentleman, charming. Mm. Uh, uh, you know, I loved working with him. Uh, but the hard part as a writer is he is so smart and he he talks so much, even more than me. Uh, I would record. <laughs> <laughs> I would record hours and hours worth of material that never is going to see the light of day, except perhaps in in some uh, archive somewhere. Uh, mm. it, it was totally useless to me as a writer, but. Within those those hours of, of, of recordings, there would be a nugget. There would be a story of this or mm. that, how he took communion on the moon when he first landed, a story wow. that nobody knew for years. Uh, his wow. first act on the moon was was to take communion. And uh, um, Neil, Neil Armstrong did not, but Buzz Aldrin did. He took communion on the moon, the very first act in his life, or uh, the first uh, communion on the moon. Uh, wow. uh, so, yeah, some, some cool things like that. Great, great Amazing. man. I love working with him. Yeah. That's oh so gosh. cool. What, what great memories that you have. You know what? That's the, the, the wonderful luxury that I have, Mary Elizabeth, of doing what I do. Um, one of these days, I'm going to write a book about all the people that I've written books with because I've learned from every one of them. And they are so, so smart and, and they have touched the world. You know, I'm just a guy uh, in Tennessee. I, nobody knows my name, Harley. That's okay. I like that. Uh, I can walk down, walk down the mall and nobody even knows who I am. That's great. Mm -hmm. uh, but I get a chance to work with some of the people who have an influence all around the world. And uh, mm -hmm. to, me, to me, that's just a kick. One of, the, one of the big kicks as a writer for me is to hear somebody I've worked with uh, and they're on a news interview someplace. Uh, you know, around the world, and uh, and they're they're quoting something that I put in one of their books. They didn't make it up; I made it up. I put it in their book, but they've taken ownership of it. And, and I say, "Yeah, I love it." So, yeah, and that's and that's part. wonderful. It is. So, Ken, yeah. you have worked with some of the most famous people out there, uh, and just listening to you talk about. Buzz Aldrin and the way that you do and the amount of time and the gems that you've gotten from them. If you had to pick a favorite project that you've worked on, I mean, I don't even know if that's possible because there seems to be mm. so many. What would have been your most challenging project and why? One, one of the most challenging, I believe, uh, favorite and, and, and uh, most challenging, maybe two different books. I'm not sure. One of my favorites, of course, was the book I did with Lisa Beamer after 9-11. And Lisa, Lisa Beamer's husband was the fellow Todd Beamer on Flight 93 who said, let's roll. And they brought that plane down in, in western Pennsylvania there, Shanksville. So that was, that was probably, it was a hard book because you're, you know, you, I was basically taking a knife and scraping wounds that had not even had a chance to congeal yet. And um, so that was a tough book. But uh, probably the one that I just recently did with Randy Travis, I have sitting here, uh, the book with Randy Travis, um, uh, Forever and Ever Amen was probably one of the most challenging books that I've ever done because Randy had had a stroke and uh, back in 2013 and probably fans of Randy Travis's music country country icon sold 22 24 million records most people would know that um, but to try to write a book with somebody he couldn't speak 
he can say a few words. He can say yes, no. Uh, he, he refers to his wife, Mary, as a hot mama. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, he can say that, uh, but, but he can't put a sentence together. So remember, I'm a collaborator. I, I'm, if you and I were working on a story, I'd say, Mary, Mary Elizabeth, well, how, how did that happen? Or Brigade, how, how did that happen? And you tell me the story, and I come and I write it and bring it back to you and say, now, is that what you want to say? Well, Randy couldn't do that. And so I had to go all around Nashville, all around the country, finding the stories and then bring those stories back to Randy Travis. And his wife would literally read the stories. Mary would read the stories to him. And, uh, and, and we, you know, is that right? Is that wrong? And we had to work from there. So it took us almost two years to write that book. That's a long time for a collaboration. Wow. Yeah, that is Prison. a long wow. But it's a great I can, project. Yeah. I can understand why it took you that long. And mm -hmm. I mean, I, I don't think anybody other than someone like you would even attempt a project like that. I mean, that is that is massive. It was a challenge. I'll say that. You, you know, one of the things about it, though, is um, you just have to remember it's their story. And, you know, for me, it's just another book. I mean, I take every book seriously. But for me, I'm going to be done with this book, this book and I'm going to move on to the next. But for the person I'm working with, this is their life. And so I take that very seriously. I take it as a sacred trust. And uh, mm -hmm. so people say, well, yeah, Ken, how, how have you had so many bestsellers and all that sort of thing? Uh, I, you know, well, first of all, they'll say, what's the secret to having so many bestsellers? And I'll tell them coffee and marshmallows, coffee and marshmallows. <laughs> that's it, that's it right there. Yeah. <laughs> coffee, coffee for the caffeine and marshmallows for the sugar to keep me awake at night. You know, of course, <laughs> that, that, and that's why I'm so pudgy and why I shake a lot, you know, but, other, other than that, <laughs> but the real secret, the real secret is to get their heart on paper. That's what we're about as writers. We want to get the heart on paper, not just words, not, you know, not just another story that they could read in a, in a magazine someplace. That's fine. But to do what I'm doing where you're talking about two or 300 or 400 pages in a book, you need to have their heart on that page. And that's what I go for. Oh, absolutely. So you just answered question four because, you know, we were going to ask you about how do you get that authenticity? How do you, mm -hmm. you know, put take yourself out of it and kind of you, you so you're their voice. And I mean, you, you just answered that beautifully. And, and so that's why your books have done so well, because your heart is in there as well as their heart. And so people can hear that. I think that's amazing that you've done that. Um, how do you decide on your upcoming line or your opening lines? And what advice do you have for making them captivate readers right from the start like how oh, do you get that yeah. grabber and that's a hard one i know yeah. titles are hard to come up with first lines are hard to come up with yes they are your, your synopsis is hard to you know because people go like this they read on the back of the book and or they go inside and that's like a make or break or deal unless you've got a recommendation from somebody so that, this that's is right. a very good question for, for yeah. all writers out there Absolutely, Mary, Mary Elizabeth. Uh, that, that first page, that first line, it just has to grab the reader. Or if you're trying to pitch a book to an editor, it has to grab the editor and not let go. Uh, and and I, I, you know, you don't have time to, you know, in, in the old days, quite frankly, you could use a, a really eloquent approach and talk about the weather and talk about the, the leaves rustling in the wind and all that sort of thing. Well, maybe so uh, in certain kinds of books nowadays, but in most cases for what I do, I've got to grab the reader right from that first line, right from that first page. And mm -hmm. truthfully, I will rewrite that page more than any other page in the entire book. It may be a 300 page book. I'll write that first page, you know, maybe 10 times, maybe 20 times, maybe more. 
and uh, and throughout the editing process to make sure that that first line, that first paragraph pulls you into that book. And I don't want you to put that book down. Not not only the first line, the other the other part that is so important to me is the last couple of lines of each chapter. I, I have some people say, well, I was reading your book at night and I put it down. And I, I said, no, no, don't put it down. I want, <laughs> I want you to turn the page and I will force you to turn the page if I can. If I can, I'll force you to turn the page and keep reading into the next chapter. And, and so so the way I do that, I don't know, some of our, our viewers may not remember, but I'm, I'm an old guy. Uh, when I was a kid, they used to have a series called The Hardy Boys. And at the end of every well, at the end of every chapter in the Hardy Boys, they would have some kind of setup, you know, kind of like an Indiana Jones kind of setup, where where they have to, you know, have something, some uh, calamity is happening, and they, and you never know what's going. You you've got to turn the page to find out what's going to yeah. go on. That's I try to do that in every chapter. Every single mm -hmm. chapter, that first page is important, but that last page of every chapter is equally important, maybe even more so, because you have to keep that reader turning the page. I don't want them to put the book down. I want them to keep reading. And and uh, somebody will come up to me and say, you know what, I, I picked up, a, uh, for example, Walk to Beautiful by Jimmy Wayne and, and me. Uh, they said, I, I started reading that book and I could not put that book down. I say, Yes, that's it. Yeah. That's, that's what we're hoping for. Huh? Yeah, you've yeah. done your job. Yeah. You've yeah. done your job when people say that. Yeah. Or yes. they're quoting you, then you've done your job. And you're like, yeah. it, it's sure. like a kid when you're raising a kid and you hear them say one thing that they've heard you say that they like, my daughter, mom, I gave some of the advice you give to me to my friend. And I'm going, oh, and I did <laughs> Yes, success. Sort of like the same thing. Yeah, success. You asked, you asked Mary Elizabeth earlier, and I, and I didn't quite answer the question completely. And that is, how do, how do you do when you're working with people like this in collaboration? How do you do that? And, I, and there's one important element there that I didn't mention. You have to keep your own ego out of the way. Mm. When I first started writing, I wanted to be a voice. I wanted to be a voice making a difference in the world and saying, okay, what does Ken Abraham say about this? What does Ken Abraham say about that? Somewhere along in my career, I decided, okay, I don't want to be a voice. I want to help somebody else get their voice out there. Now, if you can't do that, you'll never be a good collaborator. Uh, if you can't set your ego aside and say, this is not about me. My job is to make this person sound better. My job is to raise the standard. Uh, now, that doesn't mean you change their language. I had an editor working with us on Randy Travis's book that wanted to make him sound like a hick. Well, Randy mm -hmm. Travis is not a hick. He's a country music artist, but he's very bright and, he, and he's very he's very articulate. You know, he's not he's not somebody that never went to you know. Well, he, he did drop out of school. Come to think of it, <laughs> but but you know what I mean. You you can't change the person, you, and so you have to lay your own ego aside and say this book is about them. It's not about me. Mm, and that, that's a key. Point. I think that's a fantastic point. And at this point, I just want to acknowledge all our live viewers on LinkedIn, on Facebook, on YouTube, um, on Twitter and on Periscope. Thank you so much. Thank you for all the comments that are coming through. Much appreciated. Love having you being part um, of the show. And uh, as, as Jamie said, I mean, that, that is a, that is a, such a huge thing that you mentioned, um, Ken, is getting your ego out of the way uh, when you are being an author. So I just wanted to highlight that. And then also the fact that you've mentioned you want to make it gripping, um, not just from the opening line, but every end of every chapter so that people yes. will not put that book down and keep reading your book. I love that. That's an amazing um, gem. So, you know, having done everything that you've already done so far as an author, do you feel like you've reached your pinnacle uh, you know, of your career, 
or is there still something that you've got in the back burner that you're like, you know, one day I'm going to get there. I still want to do that. <laughs> well, uh, the answer is yes and no. I, I've obviously I've had great success, and I thank God for that. Uh, it's the, I've had opportunity to work with people who who have an influence all around the world, and I'm just this little guy from a coal mining town in Pennsylvania, and I've had a chance to uh, to work with Buzz Aldrin and Chuck Norris and all these other people, you know, Bob Dole, all kinds of people who have had an influence in the world. So, I, and in one sense, I've had a I have reached the pinnacle of my career. Publishers know who I am. They call me all the time. That's wonderful. On the other hand, I get up and go to work every morning. Uh, I, there's still more to do. And I think that that's a key for a creative person. Creative people are hard to kill <laughs> because I got to get out of bed and get going again. There's another book to write. I've got more to do. Yeah. So uh, people ask me all the time, well, who would you like to write with? And it changes all the time. I, I look at newsmakers. There's a fascinating fellow there in Israel that I would love to do a book with. I'm not sure if it would ever work because he has so many uh, secrets, but that's uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. Uh, uh, he's a fa fascinating man that I, I think mm -hmm. his story has never really been told. There have been a lot of books written about him and stories told about him. His story has never been told. So people like that come across my my screen. I said, hmm, I'd be interested. Somebody asked me about Mel Gibson, and I said that would be an interesting story. <laughs> yeah. Mel, Mel Gibson would be an interesting story. Who knows? Maybe one of these days we'll do it. But I get up in the morning every morning and go to work, and that is one of the things I would encourage young writers. Uh, because young writers, they, they think you, you know, you write from a, a burst of creativity. Well, sometimes you do, but sometimes it's drudgery and you get up and you work at it and you work. I spend probably at least eight hours, mostly 10 to 12 hours working every single day. Now, I may not be writing all that time, but I'll be in the office. I'll be working on something that has to do with the publishing process. I, I hear some of these young writers and they're talking about their leisure time. I say, uh, what is that thing you call it? <laughs> leisure time? I don't have a whole lot of leisure time. I work. And uh, and you know what? It's great. And I enjoy it. And I, every day I, I come into the office, it's exciting for me. That is awesome. Yeah. So that's what we were going to, we wanted to ask you also, what is your, you know, what is your advice? L looking back on your career, what is your advice to younger uh, aspiring sure. authors? Um, and that's one right there that you just said, uh, was, and it's very important. You do have to work at it. Um, I, I want you to kind of give that answer. And then I want you to, I, I'm curious to know, now that you're at the level you're at, do you do any of your own marketing or you just write and the publisher takes care of everything else? For the most part, Mary Elizabeth, the publisher does that nowadays for me. Mm -hmm. um, I will jump in if they need me to. And because I do collaborations, if I'm working with Randy Travis, for example, they want to talk to Randy Travis on, on, on the Today Show. They don't really care about talking to me. But since Randy couldn't speak, he couldn't answer the questions. Guess who went along? So mm -hmm. I will do that. I'll go along on a lot of the promotional uh, junkets and that sort of thing. But for the most part, by the time the book comes out, I'm at least one book, usually two, two sometimes even three books down the road. So I'm mm -hmm. not involved in that process too much. But it is important. And uh, online presence is important. Uh, social media is important. I'm, uh, I'm, uh, as I mentioned, that to forget, I'm, a, I'm an anomaly. I don't do a whole lot of that, but it's all part of the young writer's life. And if you don't do it, frankly, publishers won't pay much attention to you because they expect you to do that now. Uh, when, right. I first, when I first started, the publishers would put out an ad in uh, New York Times or uh, USA Today and just spend a quarter of a million dollars on an ad for a new book. They don't do that anymore. They expect mm -hmm. you to promote the project. They expect you to be out there um, peddling the book and that sort of thing. They'll help. But you know, if, if you don't do your part, they won't have a whole lot of interest in you. Though. 
Absolutely. You, you are a hundred percent speaking the truth and people who want to get into the business and have not gotten into it yet. Um, they, there's the, there's some sort of a myth that you get published and then all you do is sit around and wait for royalties. And it's absolutely hundred percent, not that truth. No, I think the writing to me is the easiest part of it. The yeah. editing your stuff or getting it edited. Cause when you're, you know, back here where I am, I'm not where you are. So we still have to edit and go through and then fix, you know, if you have a publisher, sure. you have to fix those edits. But also, you know, I've done all of my own marketing, whether I had a publisher or not, you know, booking myself for TV, radio, the library, uh, schools, yep. you know, and you, you do, you have to go in with that kind of work ethic and that mindset. Um, otherwise, making networking, constantly networking. Wherever you are, whatever you do, you know, yes. wherever you go, you have to network constantly because you never know who you're going to meet. That's right. You asked me asked me for some advice for young writers as well. I, I always tell write, young writers, read great books. Don't read trivia. Don't read all the junk that comes out. Read great books. And, and frankly, there aren't as many of them as you think. And so most of the great books need to be read more than once. Some of the, the great books, uh, uh, I, I love C.S. Lewis, for example. You can read C.S. Lewis again and again. I love David McCullough. He, he's the guy that inspired me to do what I do. He wrote a book called The Johnstown Flood, which happened just mm -hmm. a few miles down the road from where I lived in Western mm -hmm. Western Pennsylvania. I read those books again and again and again. You, you don't have to read things you don't understand. There are great books out there that will inspire you, but read those books again and again and see what they do. The other encouragement I have with, with young writers, I, I, I'll tell them, you know, rejection goes with the territory. If you're, mm -hmm. if you're going to be sensitive and you can't take rejection, rejection, you're in the wrong career because mm -hmm. rejection goes with the territory. Even for somebody like me who's had great success, there are times when I'll submit an idea to a publisher or something like that and say, nah, we don't think so, Ken. Okay, move on. Move on to the next publisher or move on to the next project or whatever. Rejection mm -hmm. goes with the territory. But one thing I've learned over 20, oh, I don't know how many years, 30 years, over nearly 100 books. One thing I have learned is there's a yes coming. There's a <laughs> yes coming. Don't give up. There's a yes coming in your career. Yeah, love it. That I like that. That should be. Uh, that needs to be a hashtag. There's a yes <laughs> yeah. coming in your career. Absolutely. That's what we're going to take from this today. There's a yes coming in your career. All right. <laughs> Ken, it has been amazing. I think we could chat to you for an hour, but I do want to end up with asking, who is your greatest supporter? Because there's a reason we get out of bed every single day. Who is your great? Who's your greatest fan? <laughs> well, my greatest fan is probably my wife, but I've got three young granddaughters who mm. come into my office regularly and, and they'll come around <laughs> my chair here and, and they'll ask me about books and, and they, you know, I'm writing for them. I'm writing something that in, in their library at school, I want, I want that book by uh, Ken Abraham and Buzz Alder, Buzz Alder and Ken Abraham. I want that book to be on their shelf. As a matter of fact, one of my granddaughters, uh, they were talking about the, uh, the Apollo 11 landing and my granddaughter looked up and she said, I know Buzz Alder. She told her teacher that <laughs> because because Buzz had been here to our house. And the teacher, of course, said, now, now, you don't really know Buzz Alder. She said, yeah, I know Buzz Alder. And, and, she, she, and she really did. So I'm writing for them because they inspire me. Mm, that's awesome. Wow. What a great tribute. Where can people find you? Uh, actually, I, I don't even do an, a website anymore, but you, uh, my email is open territory, Ken at KenAbrahamInc.com. You can find me there. Um, Facebook, there is a Facebook page out there. I don't really do it. My wife does it. I don't do it, but uh, we use that every once in a while to promote some books. So you can find me that way. Uh, or 
they can find me by calling you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. Just call me. You can find Ken. And you can also find your, your, you're at Barnes and Noble online, oh, yeah. probably you're at Walmart, Target, yes. Amazon, yes. all the places where books are sold, you know, just. Yeah. It, it, and you asked me about books that meant something to me. Let me tell you about one other. Uh, this is a book I wrote. This is the, the first book in 20 years that I've written about from my own perspective. It's called When Your Parent Becomes Your Child. And mm. uh, it was talking about my mom and her journey through dementia. And, and of course, if your mom's going through dementia, you're going through dementia with her as well. And that's what we did. And we walked with her those last three years of her life. And and speaking about finding me on Amazon and those kind of places, um, the book didn't sell like I wanted. I wanted it to sell millions and millions. It didn't sell millions, but it sold thousands. And um, But the best thing to me, every once in a while, I'll go on Amazon and look at some of those reviews of that book, When Your Parent Becomes Your Child, and the heartwarming reviews that that book received from people that received help from that book. Mm. That will get you out of bed to make you go to work another day. And Mm. it sure has me. Right. Well, we need, I know we have to go, but we need to connect you with the all's authors, those ladies, because there's a, a hundred and fifty of them, I think. Yes, yes. And they've all written a book from their journey as the caregiver of a wow. parent or a family member. Yeah. So you we need to get your book on their site because they have lots of tools and resources. Oh, great. Love to do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's so a different world. Specifically go that for they go there for books that are mm-hmm. about um alt stories. So I think it'll be fantastic. Day. Yeah, we'll get you connected with them. Okay, be great. And there, there's some wonderful people there. Some some hearts of compassion and people who care so much. It is just amazing to me. I've I've met some of those people, of course, as a result of the book. It's a weird deal when you're putting diapers on the person that once put diapers on you. That whole mm-hmm. revol role reversal and upside down yeah. kind of thing, and to walk through that. And for my mom, my mom was a, a, a godly lady. She never lost touch with God right to the very end of her, her, her life. And uh, that was a special part of the story I wanted to tell. And the other part was there was a lot of humor there. I mean, you had to laugh sometimes, otherwise you'd cry. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I, I wanted the book. I'll tell you what happened when I, when my mom was first diagnosed with dementia, uh, we went to the doctor and he, he recommended a book for us to read. And, I got that book, of course. I'm a book guy, so I'm, I'm going to buy that book and read it. It was so depressing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I said, this is the worst book I've ever read. It was just so <laughs> depressing. This, uh, this is going to happen, and this is going to I know there's a lot of truth in that book. But I wanted to write a book uh, similar to what uh, 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 Tuesdays with Maury. Remember that book? I wanted, to, I wanted to write a book like that that would encourage people. Yeah, you're going through some tough times there. But yes, there's there's grace there and there's humor there and there's good that comes out of those stories. And so that's why I wrote When Your Parent Becomes Your Child. And uh, mm, it was it. Probably, probably one of my most personal and intimate books that I've ever written. Wow, that's yeah. that's beautiful. I think, you know, when you go through that journey um, with, you know, I always tell people I've been through journeys with many people at the end of their lives. But I think there's none of it, none of none of those stories and each of them are unique but going through that with my dad mm-hmm. was was different yes you know there was just a complete difference i mean just having your your the person that gave you life die in your arms ah. there's something about that that is oh, life changing yes mm-hmm. indeed you know yeah. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. And that's why as writers, we want to bring hope to people who are going through those kinds of things. It's, mm-hmm. I, I don't think anything comes to us just for ourselves. Uh, if you're really going to take writing seriously, you say everything that touches my life uh, has been allowed to come this way so that I can use that to help somebody else. 
and there Absolutely. are people that there are people that need that kind of encouragement because they're going through what we went through, and uh, and that's a great opportunity that we have as writers to encourage somebody else, take another step, keep going, don't give up. Uh, there's more. A yes is coming. Yes, I'm gonna, I'm gonna write that book. There we can there we go. We we go. There's there's a challenge to you. There's yes is coming. Books. I got, think that's oh, a yeah. great the title. Yeah, I'm gonna the come back and visit. Thing, yeah, the drunk and the thing. Visit and, with and, you all. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna come and visit was, with you more often. I know. <laughs> This was so much fun. Thank you so, so much for your time. And thank you for all the gems. And thank you for your friendship. Thank you so much. My pleasure indeed. Thank you for allowing me to be with you. Thank you, Ken, so much. Take care, everyone. And don't forget to write good stuff. Bye. Bye.